Chapter 2 Eric sat down across from me in one of the old wicker chairs we'd helped Grandma make. Where should we start? He said quietly. He stared at me with gravity I'd never seen him before. His hands fidgeting with the chair's wooden armrests. Poor kid was nervous. I knew a thing or two about that. I took a deep breath and placed my face in my hands. Wishing I'd never quit smoking. Wishing I'd never agreed to come out here. My heart thumbed and my palms were slick with sweat. Meanwhile, my thoughts couldn't stop toying with the idea that maybe confronting these memories was a mistake. Maybe acknowledging that would somehow make them real. Matt? He said softly. Let's start with the man by the river, I said, forcing myself to look in the eyes. You remember him? Eric's expression said it all. He remembered. His eyes darted to the front door, still swinging open in the breeze from when we'd both walked inside. I'm going to grab the door, he said. I didn't say anything, but I didn't need to. We both knew it'd be easier to talk about these things with some degree of security between us and the outdoors. He stalked off, shut the door, and then returned for a moment. We were what, eleven? I said. He nodded. Though we were twins, we looked nothing alike. Eric was thin and gangly, with giant glasses and a passion for all things pop culture. I was short, a bit overweight, and had an unhealthy addiction to every form of metal under the sun. My hearing was practically shot, but the wall of noise that music created was the only time I felt like any peace and quiet. It was the second day at the cabin, I think. Eric looked out the window, toward where the river flowed, just past the tree line. You and I were out having a swim. Yeah, and he was watching us on the other side. How long was he there for? I shrugged. You were the one who spotted them. I wouldn't have noticed if you hadn't pointed them out. Tough to miss, really. He had the beige ball cap and... The mask, yeah. Who wore a mask out in the woods? The kind of guy who liked to watch kids swim, I guess. It was a wolf's mask. A really well-made one. Thinking back on it, it almost looked like a real wolf. Remember what he said? It was impossible to forget. His words have been the catalyst to everything the jump-off point for the worst experience of our lives. It's nearly dark, I said. It's nearly dark, Eric repeated. The two of us were silent for a moment, the shrinking daylight and the implications of what meant not lost on us. Maybe we should do this in the car on the way down, he said. I shook my head. I don't think it works like that, and I think you know that now too. Standing up, I crossed the room and grabbed my leather jacket from the coat rack. I threw it over my shoulders like a poncho. Now that the sun had dipped behind the tree line, the temperature had dropped with it. You remember things now clearly again, aren't you? I know I am. He frowned, avoiding my gaze. We both knew this wasn't a normal cabin, and deep down, I guess we both came to realize we couldn't run from our history forever either. Eric was right. If we didn't confront this now, then we'd probably be running from the rest of our lives. I suppose things do feel clearer, he said. Being here feels strange, like everything's coming back as vivid as the day it happened. I knew what he meant. I could picture the man by the river almost perfectly now. Dirty jeans, a checkered shirt, and that mask. It had to have been torn right off a real wolf, because I remember the smell. It smelled dead, decaying. Eric plugged his nose, contorting his face in revulsion. You smell that too? I asked. He nodded. What is that? That's what he smelled like. The man by the river. I'd forgotten how horrible it was. 
but this cabin is bringing it all back to me. I glanced around the dimly lit room, where shadows grew in the corners as the sun fell lower in the sky. He told us to come to him. After warning that it was nearly dark, he said he had a gift for us. You thought he was Uncle Jake. I remember that. Yeah, I mean, who else could it have been? Grandma had built this cabin on land of an abandoned firewatch outpost far from the sleepy village below. Nobody lives up here. It was only the four of us that week. When you swam over, Eric said quietly, did he say anything to you? I don't think so. I closed my eyes and drifted back to that moment, 12 years ago. In spite of it being the height of summer, the river was freezing that day and the current had made it hard to get across. The man stood on the other side waiting patiently though. He was holding the gift behind his back. I remember thinking it was a fishing rod. Eric cracked a bittersweet smile. We'd both been badgering Uncle Jake to let us use his fishing rod. I too remember hoping that was what it was. Talking about this was cathartic, but torturous all at once. My mouth felt dry as a bone. When I got closer, I got this weird feeling, like something was wrong. Yeah? Yeah, it's hard to explain, but it's like, even then, I knew something wasn't right. I gave into the memory, letting it swallow me my search for answers. Grandma's cabin seemed to fade away, replaced by a warm summer day. The river rumbling behind me now, the mountain breeze caught at my, at my wet, shaggy brown hair. Above, the sun beat down furiously, dressing me in a full-body sunburn. I realized it wasn't Uncle Jake when I stepped out of the river. You never told me that before. I don't think I ever let myself believe it. In the cabin, the branches swayed above us, their long arms scratching at the roof in the rising wind. So? Eric said. So what? So what made you realize it wasn't him? Oh. I treated my lip, my eyes staring at Griff's cracked skull on the floor. It was because he twitched. Twitched? Yeah. I said, looking Eric in the eyes. My voice cracked despite my best efforts to keep it steady. His entire body twitched, like some kind of predatory action. Like a cat seeing a mouse. Or a wolf seeing a rabbit. The implication hung in the air between us. We were prey. I wanted to run back in the river. I wanted to scream for help. I wanted to hide. But he held the gift out. The book? Eric said. That's right. The Mysteries of the Cryptids. I'd gotten halfway back across the river when Uncle Jake came down, I continued. He was on our side of the river and dressed entirely different from the man. I paused, recognizing that this was the memories I'd never fully accepted. How could I have? Accepting it meant that I was more broken than I was comfortable admitting. That's when I realized we weren't alone on the mountain. I opened my eyes and pulled myself out of the memory. I felt a little disorienting, like my senses were being thrown out in some sort of amnesiac tornado. But I did what I could to regroup myself in reality. I focused on my weight in the rocking chair, the cool feeling of leather around my shoulders, and the roaring wind outside. Eventually, the cabin returned to focus. Eric ran a hand through his curly brown hair. You think that maybe... Outside, the sound of shattering glass rang out. Eric and I jumped to our feet. My heart thundering in my chest. The two of us stood frozen, each knowing we needed to act, but not knowing how. Being the older twin, I breathed deep and stepped forward, forcing my body to act in spite of its fear. 
I slid along the wall toward the four-pane window. It was dusk now, and the last rays of sunlight barely pierced the thick pine trees. Darkness began to overtake the landscape, and the once lush tree line was now looking like a gaping, nightmarish maw. I peered out the window at an angle, so that it wasn't squarely in front of it just in case anybody was watching from outside. Fuck! I shouted, catching a view of my car. A massive, broken branch lay flat against now equally broken windshield. What? Eric took a furtive step forward. Is somebody out there? No. I pulled my jacket from my shoulders and shoved my arms to the sleeves, zipping up proper. Fucking branches smashed my windshield. Story time's over. We're getting out of here. Eric burst out into laughter, his hands on his chest. Holy shit, Matt. That scared the crap out of me. It was just a tree branch? Yeah, I said bitterly, storming from the room and toward the front door. Just the tree branch smashing a windshield I can't afford to fix. What a goddamn relief. I'm sorry, man. Eric shouted, jogging after me. He wasn't really sorry, but I couldn't blame him. That sound could have been about a thousand worse things at a stupid branch. Even still, it wasn't in my budget. I gripped the handle of the front door and flung it open, preparing a chilly drive down the mountain. And then I stumbled backwards, my breath caught inside my chest. I opened my mouth to say something, anything, but the words weren't there. Behind me, I heard Eric mumble a soft, Oh! Then a loud crash. Had he fainted? No, this wasn't happening. Please don't let this ha- be happening. A boot stepped past the doorway, creaking on the cabin's old wooden floorboards. When it came a stench of decay, I reached blindly, desperately around me, unwilling to take my eyes off the figure, but also needing a weapon. Anything. I only found empty air. Uncle Jake had already moved most of the grandma's things. With each step the intruder took, I took one back, until finally I came up against the far wall. The figure stood framed in the dark of the hallway, a ball cap on his head and two glowing yellow eyes. It's nearly dark, 